0: I am Julie
1: and I'm Lisa and together we are two Two sober chicks that love each other like fucking crazy. Thank Thank you so much. You know, that love is so important to me. It's one of the, um, it's always been that thing that I've been seeking my whole life. I talk about this sometimes when I do my talk. I talk about um, how that was my... My, the thing I was striving for most was just to be loved. Mm. And I dealt with um, feelings of abandonment and not being good enough my whole life. Mm-hmm. I have some um, uh, abuse and trauma and sexual assault history. And again, that made me feel even less than. Um, so I'm always, was always striving to be loved. One of my biggest problems I can remember in high school, um, I had like two of my closest friends. But I had to be and they had to be my everything and I wanted to be their everything. Yeah. And it caused so many problems for me growing up when I couldn't be. I remember my mom (laughs) in high school saying, what are you, a lesbian? Oh, fuck. (laughs) Because I was obsessed with my, my two closest friends, right? Yeah. Just absolutely obsessed with them. And at that time, I was wondering if I was a lesbian, but that had nothing to do with it. It was about this need to be loved. And when I found those friendships in high school, you know, they're very passionate and you're very close and you share all kinds of things with your friends that you don't share with your parents and Mm -hmm. your siblings. Um, And so I was always looking for that love, but it was such an unhealthy uh, love. I didn't really get um, the proper teachings about what healthy love is. Yeah, me too. It was obsessive and possessive. That Mm. was how I was in relationships. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that was what was modeled for me. Like, my mm. my mom was extremely possessive and extremely jealous and uh, very ragey, uh, mm. you know. And I remember thinking, you're jealous of dad? Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's dad. <laughs> you know, like, but she thought every woman in the world wanted her prize.
0: Wow. I know women like that in recovery. Yeah. Oh. Where, like, God forbid you talk to their man in a meeting. They'll just, like, dagger you Ooh. with those <laughs> eyes not exactly healthy behavior no because
1: yeah i'm not gonna say it oh and i remember i used to say to my first sponsor roy why are some people such fucking twats i love (laughs) that word this is aa they're supposed to be better they're supposed to be healthier and he'd just say some people are sicker than others and it's true like it's just where you are that day in your recovery and sometimes people come into aa and they get sober and that's fucking it
0: yes that's where they are dry they
1: don't drink but they might as well and it's so important that we continue to talk about the 12 steps and the 12 traditions and how these principles must be activated in your entire life it's a program of action right because you think about it doesn't mean it's going to happen no and it's about um incorporating it into your whole life so you can have a whole life w-h-o-l-e not a H-O-L-E. Like a holistic experience. Yes. A complete life. A better life. Because that's what I want. I didn't want... To, if if it just meant getting sober and not drinking and then my life stayed the same, no fucking thank you. Yeah. I want better. So, the last podcast we were going to talk mm-hmm. about relationships and then we got into food addiction and the whole podcast became about food addiction, which is amazing that we talked about I know. that. However, this one we want to talk about um, relationships and... Healthy relationships versus unhealthy relationships, codependency, what does that mean? What does it look like Mm -hmm. for us in our experiences? Um, One of the things I guess what brought this topic up was um, I was talking about my wife and she's had a couple of instances in sobriety with friends. I'm like a person who has several friends, Mm -hmm. but I feel they're they're deep connections. So I have maybe four or five, six really close friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I have a lot of acquaintances. Most of them are in recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Me too. And that's wonderful. Because I never thought that would happen. I thought, I don't have anything in common with you people other than we drank. Get the fuck away from me. (laughs) And everything is different now. And my wife, um, she's more of an introvert. So it's one person at Mm, a time. That could be dangerous. It is. And I think for her, it's been difficult and it's been sad. I know since in the time that I've known her, she's had three really close friends and every single one has abandoned and left her. has. The, the first one, um, I think, was more of a user relationship. Um, my wife had a car and this person didn't, and so that person used her a lot for travel. And also, she was the sounding board, she was the ear, and then Aww. when she started to set up boundaries, and when she no longer had a car, the person stopped calling. That's terrible. So that really hurt. So then she was like closed off again for a little while. And then she had another friend. And then that friend got a boyfriend and got married. And that relationship ended. Mm -hmm. Like that other person had, I guess, their needs met by somebody else. And suddenly she wasn't needed anymore. And then the third time she has this wonderful friend. And I even told this friend, this is really great because I know Ashley's had a real struggle with friendships and being able to rely on people and people always abandon her. And then this person got a boyfriend and stopped calling. (laughs) So she's in a place of... um, you know feeling rejected and that being difficult and being alone
0: yeah that's <clears throat> grief like you don't have to lose someone to death to have mm-hmm. grief over
1: a relationship now this is a void in her life yeah that's sad, and it's sad and and we also talk about and I think sometimes that's why I'm so important to her and we've talked about how um, we go to see a therapist every now and again and this Smart. is something I've brought up like I love my wife but I know that she is not my everything, and I cannot be her everything. That's a hard, hard place to come to. I used to want to be somebody's everything.
0: And to a certain extent, I still do. Like, who doesn't want to be adored and relied upon and treasured? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I had to... Uh, this is why um, I'm so grateful for the program, because the program has given me something my partner will never be able to give. Yeah. Which is... Um, understanding who I am as an alcoholic, being able to advise me in that way, um, providing security and wisdom in a way that my partner never could. And that's important because I don't then have to put that burden on that person to be my counselor, my sponsor, my therapist, my husband, my provider, my this, my that. Mm Because like you said, that's dangerous. How many people do we know where their singular focus in life was their partner? And then see ya. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was my experience. So I had to learn from that.
0: Became a gift, not only for me, but whoever I end up marrying,
1: right? One day, Mm -hmm. that was the sole focus of um, my—not my last relationship. That was a sort, short, fucked-up fuse. Uh, But the one before that, my ten-year relationship with my ex, Lisa. Um, She was, unfortunately for me, my everything, and I put her up on this pedestal, Mm -hmm. and she would even say you know, this is not where I want to be. This is oh. not a good place for me to be. All right. I don't want to be on the pedestal because eventually I will fall off. And so it's like, you know, she knew. Mm-hmm. Um, she knew what you were doing. Yeah. So she could see that, but I couldn't see that and I couldn't understand it. And um, I just couldn't understand why, you know, she didn't love me the same way I loved her. Mm-hmm. And then later on, After we break up, years later, through the 12 steps, through especially that fourth and fifth, I would learn that it wasn't love. I didn't know what love was. Mm -hmm. I was trying to give of myself, but really I I took more than I gave. And that's one of the things I learned on that fact-finding and Mm fact-facing exercise that is the fourth and fifth step. Mm -hmm. And that was hard, as it says in the book. It was hard to face those um, truths about myself. Yeah. It was difficult. But um, yeah, you were looking in the book. Did you find something?
0: I was looking for something on relationships. So I was looking in the fourth step in the big book and the fourth step in the 12 and 12 and nothing is coming to me. But Mm -hmm. I know that there's a lot about relationships in the fourth
1: step. And looking at our relationships is super important. I think around 80, pages 80. In um, which book? 86 in the big book. Wow, that's Um, amazing if you just pulled that out of your top of your head Uh, and also specifically page 69 of course talks about the ideal list and it and it's not just about sex but it's about coming up with um um, your ideals for a relationship and that's where i learned through help with my sponsor that that doesn't mean i just get to make a checklist of what i want in the other person the ideal list is about what do i bring to the relationship so that in turn also helped me change my focus Uh, instead of just focusing on gimme 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 what what do you provide putting Mm -hmm. all my eggs in one basket
0: it helped me realize
1: okay well what do i bring do i bring trust do i bring fidelity Mm -hmm. do i bring faithfulness do i bring um love and the serenity not the serenity prayer the saint francis assisi prayer Mm. was where i started to understand love is about giving not receiving yeah learning to be Uh, loving as opposed to seeking to be be loved loved. yeah seeking to be understood as opposed to try to understand other people yeah um so that helped a lot um so page 86 talks about step
0: 11 mm -hmm. which is not unlike a relationship um topic Mm -hmm. because in step 11 we're seeking to like keep in conscious contact with God and what his will for our lives Mm -hmm. is and if we if it's up to God and we align ourselves with that power then we make good decisions in our lives right um in the talk that I did at the treatment center on Saturday there was a man who just could not he did not understand what do you mean I have to go outside of myself like I don't know what that means
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um we were talking about being powerless right and so what do I do then? Okay, so I'm powerless, but what is another power other than me? And I could just see based on how I was answering him, it was not computing. It's just because mm. that's where he's at. Right. I couldn't get through to him that, listen, if I could fix my own addiction, I would have done that. I would not be in a treatment center. I would not be in a program. Right. So if I can't do it, I have to find something that I have to sync up with and plug into in order for me to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And whatever that is, I brought up your sponsors praying to a dot on the wall at first. Like, whatever mm. it is, go to something outside of yourself. And he wasn't getting it. Mm. And, you know, and of course, I say, does that make sense? And he says, yes, but I know it doesn't. He yeah. got up and left shortly after right. that.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Um, but it's not something you can teach. It's something that you make a decision. Okay, I'm going to try this. And then it happens. Yeah. It might take years. It might take hours. You know, on the old day, they would do all 12 steps in one day.
1: Yeah. But i think a big key to that is accepting that you might not understand Mm. the process that's good right like so i had to accept when luke said to me just fucking pray i'm like well i don't know if i believe in god he said i didn't ask you to believe in anything i asked you to take action and pray that's good well what am i praying to what does it matter just ask for help vocalize it ask for help That's good. And so that was my act of faith. My leap of faith was doing what I was told, doing what was suggested, if you want to be softer about it, (laughs) doing what I was told to do and accepting that um, it would change things, that it might change things. And what helped me with that too was saying, what can it hurt? Yeah. Like, is it going to make my life worse? No. No. I don't think it can get any worse than it is right now. (laughs) Like
0: regardless of whether or not you understand it. Letting go of that. Do it. Do it anyway. I love that. Some of the people
1: who I find struggle the most are the people who um, have a lot of education, who are super intelligent because they they always want to find there's a problem. You know, there's a formula. Yeah. And if I plug this formula into my life, then everything will be great. I remember I had a talk not too long ago with somebody in my family and he said to me, um, it seems to me like everybody else knows the secret to life. Hmm. And and they know, you know, their lives are falling into place and I'm still doing this and I feel like a failure and they've got the secret and I don't. I said, buddy, you know what I think the secret is? They make a decision. So I'm trying to talk yeah. to somebody who may or may not be an alcoholic and speak to them in just sort of layman's terms. Yep. And I said, so they just make a decision. Like they pick A or B. You get stuck in. You you don't know which one's the right answer. Well, guess what? The secret is neither do they, <laughs> but yeah. they're willing to just make a decision and take a, take a leap of faith. They're not bruising their balls by straddling the fence. <laughs> They're on one side or the other. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting until the perfect answer comes yeah, for you. Yeah, because there's no such thing. It doesn't. It you doesn't come. You just figure it out.
0: Like yeah. I have a sponsee recently that would wanted to leave her program at school, and everybody was telling her stay, stay. It's your alcoholic thinking. Stay, stay. And I said, listen, you seem like you're fighting against it. Then just leave. Mm-hmm. And only when she decided to consider leaving did she stay. So she had to figure out all the options mm-hmm. and be okay with the outcome before she really felt where she was supposed to be with staying in the program. Yeah. And I honestly do not believe she would have come to that if she had kept fighting against the other option.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like it's okay. Yeah. And and going into detail like what is it that makes you not want to leave? Is this an ego thing? Do you think you're going to disappoint God? Are you embarrassed in front of your friends and family? Mhm. And so that's often how it is with my feelings. Like I don't want to feel grief. I don't want to feel anger. I don't want to feel sadness. And the second I feel it, it goes away. It's yeah. like ether in the in the atmosphere.
1: Hmm. The other thing we were talking about with you mentioned step eleven was that mm-hmm. developing a relationship with a higher power, mm-hmm. and um, you know trying to find focus on God's will instead of my will. Mm -hmm. So my will has led me to all kinds of fucked up thinking and fucked up behaviors and drastic consequences in my life. So what have I got to lose if I just say, okay, what would something greater want for me? Mm -hmm. Maybe letting go is the choice is the right choice, accepting things. Another thing that, um, I learned in recovery was, and you're part of this story with my wife and you, um, you and I talk about all these things, which is how this podcast developed. Because mm-hmm. we would get together and we'd talk about the program and we talk about spirituality and we talk about finding faith. And uh, my partner and I don't do that. And mm. for a while, that made me sad. Mm. And I started to think, is this the right person for me? Because she doesn't talk about these things. And in like a flash, it hit me. Your partner is not everything. God is the only everything in my life. Mm. God is the only thing that can be everything to me because God is all. Yeah. Uh, A person cannot be that. And why are you putting that weight on her? Don't you have a beautiful friendship with your friend, Julie, who that is the main focus of your relationship is mm-hmm. spirituality and faith and AA. So you get, you get fed from that relationship Yeah. and you get all these other things from your partnership with your wife and you get this from your friend, Karen, and you get this from, I know, it's you know, so good. Sarah, and you get this from Sharon and it's like amazing. So that is the biggest uh, learning piece for me in recovery was learning how to have healthy relationships is that no one person can be my everything, you know, Um, which is why sometimes when we, remember we did a podcast and we had um, Karen and Sharon on it and Mm -hmm. you're like the besties. And I was like, there was a part of me that it didn't sit well with Mm -hmm. because I don't want to say that just this one person is my everything. That's, mm-hmm. That was my issue. Not had nothing to do with you guys. You, got, you call whoever, you know, you, you, you label your friends whatever you want to label them. But yeah. for me, it was this thing that made me think, if I do that, am I putting too much pressure on one relationship or am I lessening another relationship? That's where I was at the time, right? Yeah. Just thinking about these things. Yeah. And it was a reminder that you're all special to me and, and you're special for different reasons. So, to me, you're all my best friends.
0: That's nice. Yeah,
1: just the way I, you know, think about it. But we mm-hmm. have different nicknames for each other.
0: We do. Mm-hmm.
1: You're my heartmate. Right. Which is so sweet and yeah, beautiful yeah. that you no came No one up else with that. is
0: my heartmate. That's right. I have two besties, but I only have one heartmate. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. being special. There it is. My humanity. <laughs> <laughs> my ego. Yep. Check. Yep. So, anything else you want to add on... No, uh, just
0: because eighty six is staring me in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, our des- I have here the last paragraph is the design for the day or slash life, which was my first grand sponsor who I lost last year, mm-hmm. and it says, in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God for inspiration, an intuitive thought, or a decision. We relax and take it easy. Mm-hmm. We don't struggle. We are
1: often surprised how the right answers will come after we have tried this for a while. And I think part of our struggle with that is we are impatient human beings. And we want an answer and we want it fucking now. Mm -hmm. But when you put that step 11 into practice, it forces you to take a pause. It forces you to wait. Mm -hmm. And I think it opens up that calmness in your mind where the answers will come. If you're not forcing them, like with your sponsee you talked about. Yeah. You know, stop trying to force it. Yeah. She came to me too. <laughs> and I'm like, well. Yeah, she went, ran this by yeah. everyone. So, uh, you know, here's my thoughts and feelings. My thoughts and feelings are I, I quit whenever something got hard and difficult and didn't mm-hmm. like. How much time have you got to go? Um, maybe you see it out till the end. And I said, but if you're telling me that you absolutely fucking hate it and you can't think of a reason to stay then it sounds like you've already made your decision. And I said to her, this is an integrity
0: issue. Why in the world you are actually disrespecting the beauty of this opportunity by hating it and not wanting to do it? Mm. That's an integrity issue for me. If you're not going to put your heart into something and you don't love it and you don't want to use it to serve, to make yourself better, to serve God, to serve others fucking stop yeah. like would you want to be in a relationship with someone that hates you but they made a commitment and they want to be in it with you like how is that respecting the integrity of love and commitment it's not, it's not. and she was like oh okay and then yes. she's like okay i'm gonna leave okay. and then a couple of days later was like i have to stay
1: I'm like that's awesome okay yeah. either way and no one's gonna hate you for your decision or judge you for your nope, decision that's your own issue. we all judge ourselves
0: yeah yeah so the thing that i love about what we just talked about in step 11 is Mm -hmm. it talks about relaxing take it easy wait for an intuitive thought from god and then what follows that step 12 serving others yeah so it primes the ground for going into service Mm -hmm. settling ourselves down it's not about us what does god want me to do and we go into service Mm -hmm. so they you know what the more the longer i'm in this program the more i realize Bob and Dr. Bob and Bill were divine conduits of God's design of healing and recovery for Mm. people that struggle with addiction because they're genius.
1: Yeah I try not to give advice although sometimes my codependency creeps up and it it happens Um, but I try to do things like I relate uh, stories so I share an experience of my life you know so this is this is what happened to me but when a sponsee says well what do I do my answer is often, well, why don't you ask God?
0: And they're like, "Thanks a fucking a lot. lot." It's like that meme of that girl who's like doing an epic eye roll. You can basically not see anything but the whites of her eyes and she's like, "When my sponsor tells me to let go and let God." It's like, "Thanks for being so fucking
1: unhelpful." <laughs> right. <laughs> but we don't have all the answers. No. no. But they're in there. They're in you. You just have to be quiet enough to hear them. Mhm. Thanks a lot for listening to our podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you have any topic suggestions or if you just want to comment or if you want Julie to drop into your home group when she's (laughs) visiting the (laughs) southern United States. (laughs) Please. Send us a message. Be my friend. (laughs) We will always do our best to get back to you as promptly and quickly as we can because we value you and we are so grateful that you're sharing this journey with us. Thanks for listening. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And this has been Two Sober (laughs) Chicks.